Hello and welcome aboard the Battleship Pretension. I am Tyler Smith. I'm David Bax. And thank you for listening. David. Yes. How you doing? Oh, I've got um got a lot of work ahead of me. Oh, okay. Because this guy... Well, okay. You got your hand in an envelope yeah, there. Yeah, two things. A couple things. All right. Um, one, I want to say if you are one of the three... Um, prize winners from our donation drive uh, you still haven't gotten your prizes and i'm sorry it took so long it it took a while to get the prizes from all the people who had promised them to us mm-hmm. we got them all like just before christmas and then the holidays happened and we didn't want to ship all the prizes separately we wanted to yeah so we have them box. all now and i'll be shipping them out soon so thank you for your patience we got everything we're gonna ship it to you but also uh, so that's one of the things i have to do okay another thing that i have to do is I I have to sit down and read this three or four page typed, yeah four typed page letter that you and I got in the mail. From Why do you have to read that now? No, I'm not going to read it. Read it now. Oh, I'm okay, just, good. I'm saying Thank you. like this is this is on my docket of things to do. Okay, this is why I'm feeling busy. Is that to both of us or just you? It's to both of us. Damn right. Um, and then there's a, a second handwritten letter. Oh, this okay. This is in the same thing. That's kind of a that's kind of a psychopath scrawl there. And an issue of X Men. Oh, all right, sure. So, <laughs> Why I want not? to uh, thank. Well, let me flip through, flip all the way to the end of this novella and thank Mark Mark H. Mark H. Thank you for the uh, <laughs> crazy long letter and especially for the comic book. Do you guys get this? I know that we haven't introduced you yet. But do you guys get this kind of thing? We get manifestos. Okay. We get, yeah. We've gotten some yeah. mani- We've definitely yeah. gotten some film opinion manifestos. Okay. We just I, got one and, and, about and some in general that have nothing to do with film. Every once in a while, <laughs> when everything goes dark, it's going to be you and me. <laughs> do you get these? Do you get these? Um, and again, Mark, I haven't even read this thing yet, so I don't know one. what. What was the one we just got? Do you get in the we mail? All, what, what movie were we all saying we weren't a big fan of? And this person was like, "Here's oh." Jack Reacher. We got a huge Jack oh, Reacher one. Yeah, it's about a, I think, and I knew this. This always happens. He he had read the book, so he was a huge. He was talking about. Can the you book. tell me this guy's first name? Jack. Jack Reacher. No. It was Jack Reacher <laughs> contacted us. The actual Jack Reacher. No, I forget his name. I'd have to look it up. But he's a, he's okay. a fan of ours. That's emailed us before, and so it's it's cool, and and we dig it. But he was really uh, and very impassioned about why Jack Reacher wasn't as shitty as we thought. And he was like, yes, it wasn't as accurate as the book, but it's okay, and there's some fun stuff. And we were like, all right, dude, go for it. I, lo- I love getting that stuff. Because we could never judge anyone for mm-hmm. that, because I will go crazy talking about how great Dark Knight Rises is. And each time I see it, I think it gets better. Even though people are like, there's a lot of holes. I'm like, no, there's all the holes are only in your head. Matter. <laughs> well, that is quite a jump to say there are no holes. None. I still enjoyed it. It only gets better. I didn't care much for Dark Knight Rises, and I found Jack Reacher to be quite a pleasant surprise. I actually liked it. Okay, well, you're a freak. <laughs> you have some issues you need to deal with. Uh, but okay, we haven't introduced the guest yeah, yet. Sorry, and we're not, <laughs> we're not going to, because we okay. have more shit to get out of the way. Yeah, yeah, right. We are going to I'm going to grab another Atkins bar. Okay, okay go right ahead. Um, I, I want to mention, of course, um, that you sh- you should be listening to this show through earbuds that you get from tweakedaudio.com. Specific- specifically, man, I can't talk. Uh, tweakedaudio.com slash pretension. Right. That's where you go to Us get... Us specifically? We should be doing that? Uh, everyone... Yeah, yeah. Everyone okay. who listens to podcasts should be listening, or anyone who enjoys listening to things... Yeah. Um, ...should be listening to things through tweakedaudio.com slash pretension earbuds. They're professional quality earbuds at a low, low price. Even lower. You get a third off. You go through that uh, right. slash pretension portal. David, what about shipping? Uh, no shipping. There's no... They don't ship it to me? No, they'll ship it to you. 
but you won't uh, you won't pay for it. Oh, it's free shipping. Saying. Yeah, I see what you mean. Okay, okay, all right. Well, this is uh, Graham has come back with a comical handful I, of food. I, but uh, <laughs> am I hypoglycemic? I need to eat very frequently. Plus, I work out and I I eat a very healthy low fat diet so i just fucking crashed uh-huh. hard and i came in i don't normally show up and go i need i need food uh, i was like shaking i had a banana now i'm eating at atkins bar that i dipped in peanut butter i look like i'm pregnant i'm pregnant and i'm having some issues so it would have been great if you came back from the kitchen with like a like a dagwood like sandwich with like the two yeah, people with an right? olive sticking out of the top of it i'm glad you heard that old school voicemail because I just thought I was going nuts. I just thought I was so... My because you haven't heard a, an answering machine in 12 years? No, I haven't. Not yeah. in 12 years. No. It's like a... It's crazy that you have it's one. It's like, but. what's that? Oh, it's just our fax machine. <laughs> oh, my God. Is what the, are you doing? It is the landline that is required so we can buzz people in. So ah, it's unfortunate. okay. So now after every podcast, does your wife just go, why do we have less food? <laughs> <laughs> Oddly enough, no. Yeah. We, uh, Only when we show right yeah. having eaten. But How that's... come right before Oscar season there's always less food? <laughs> <laughs> why does that happen? I've got some, why does all the I've packages look like they were ripped open by an animal? <laughs> <laughs> Did you have a raccoon on the podcast? What's going on here? Chris is so <laughs> used to this. Because if I just go, hey, I think we should sort of... I'm getting a little hungry. He's like, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> we got to feed Graham. Yeah, well, this that's is it. Go. All right, then we're done. We're done. Lunch break. And yeah. even if I go, well, no, I'm going to work. He goes, no, no, we're done. Yeah, yeah, we're, Stop what okay. you're doing, Graham. We're gonna I'll eat. grab the chips. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Should, do we need some sugar cubes here or something? I'm all right. I okay. think the... Peanut butter shrapnel. All over your hands. Yeah, you really. I'm like Winnie the Pooh. This is so horrible. I'm so sorry. I'm not. Oh, I'm like the worst guest you could ever have. No, no. There's like, I'm going to say. Can I call Thailand on your landline? Is that cool? Real quick. Um, I need to order more food. (laughs) I need to get specific organic food that's only in Malaysia. Um, okay. Real quick, don't you have some questions for me or something about uh, uh, stuff you know I like? I don't have. Yeah, why'd you book these guys on the show? I think <laughs> that's what he was going to ask. You. No, we'll, we don't ask those questions of each other. They they will be asked of us later. <laughs> but there's a th- there's a thing we do where you I ask know, me if I, I like Irish pigs or something. I know. I don't have it in front of me. Okay. Uh, and I, I'll try to like wing it. Hey, David, do you like comic books, right? Yeah, I like comic books. The, do you I, like get this X Men here? Do, yeah. Do you like uh, stuff? Graham about- just started your grill. I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> I need got- to braise this tofu with uh, this teriyaki sauce. Now, guys, we got to pay some bills here. Yeah, got to keep the lights on. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Got to buy more food. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, um, okay. But yeah, so David, you like comic books. You I like, like comic stuff books, about hitmen. Hitmen, pigs. You like uh, creepy masks uh-huh. and all that. I've got some good news for you. Uh huh. All right, and I got new- good news for everybody. Hit. Exclamation point. point. Hit is now fully funded. On their Kickstarter. On their Kickstarter. Awesome. But here's the thing. They got 25 days to go. Yeah. Uh, roughly. And I you can know. still keep giving. You can still keep giving. And any, any money that they, uh, that they get, they will put right back into the uh, comic book. Or they will put it into the rewards that you get for donating. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Uh, go to com and click on the Skyscraper ad that will take you to the Hit uh, Kickstarter page. Yeah. Uh, but congratulations to them for being fully funded and thank those. Now, did anyone get the uh, 
uh, trip to Comic-Con or, or get... I would assume not. All right. Well, that's still up uh, there. They'll pay for you to go to Comic-Con. They sure will. So if you really want this this comic book to happen and you want a free trip to Comic-Con... Right. Contribute kill, kill to... Kill two birds uh, with one stone there. Battleshipretention.com. So, okay. Click on Hit skyscraper ad we're doing another uh, kickstarter campaign in the next week to fund uh, graham's pantry <laughs> <laughs> believe me that's money well spent because because uh, at the moment the only one paying is me so, and the listener let's not forget the listeners they're paying but not, not with money paying so hard okay okay we're good let's good okay let's uh start now we have a, a sort of Tradition, yearly tradition. Although last year we were unable to make it happen, they were too busy. Our guests were too busy writing the book that is now in one of the prize packages. Yes, um, so it works out. Uh, but whenever the Oscar nominations come out, we like to have our friends from the Comedy Film Nerds podcast, uh, Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini, on the show. Great to and, be here, guys. And so, <laughs> yeah, I, I did. I did make the mistake of saying your name before I was officially. <laughs> David, you got it. I wouldn't be a good. You know better than wouldn't that. be a good MC. Horrible introduction. Yeah. Well, you, you always know when an MC at a comedy club is brand new. They're like, "Your next comedian, Graham Elwood, has done, <laughs> has done this, this, and this, and this." And you're like, "Thank you." <laughs> so, uh, yes, uh, let's officially welcome from the Comedy Film Nerds podcast and website and book Graham Elwood and Chris Mancini. Hello, <laughs> good to be here. Still. All right, British accent with a mouthful of food. You are a uh, double threat. That was a Malaysian accent. Oh, I, yes. I don't know where you're listening. No. That was a specific neighborhood in Kuala Lumpur. I was doing. <laughs> All right. So okay. So the uh, the nominations. Uh, what Thursday morning? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's currently Sunday. Um, so we've had some time to let them sink in. Uh, yeah. That's, nine. That's nine what they had to do. Didn't take long. Nine again on the best picture. Nine yeah. Ten. Yeah, they could not. What, the, uh, what, 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 what tenth could they put on? Could they have put on there? The master. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah absolutely. Mo- or Moonrise Kingdom, I think. Or Moonrise was, Kingdom was uh, yeah. bandied which, about. Which I'm not so a huge fan snubbed. of. Yeah, I love Moonrise Kingdom. I absolutely loved it, and it really got very. What, Graham, no Dark Knight Rises, perhaps. Oh, I picture. just know that they're dumb. They're never gonna. <laughs> it seems strange to me that I mean they they expanded the field in 2009 in a response to Wally and the Dark Knight not being nominated in 2008, and since then. The biggest movies of the year this year, which are also genuinely pretty good, Dark Knight Rises and the Avengers, nothing. Yeah. And and it's just like, they're just going to go back to doing what they were doing. Then just go yeah. back to the five if you're going to just play this game. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, this is this is what pisses me off. Like, we can do ten, we're only going to do nine, and then leave out, we just listed four or five movies you could have put on yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I'd love to see the Avengers. Taken some, if you wanted Silver to Linings nine. Playbook, I'm sorry. It's a good movie. Mm-hmm. David O. Russell is a very good director. Yep. I'll watch anything he does. I love watching Bradley Cooper as the not good-looking, freaky guy. I'm glad that he's not just going to play the hangover dude his whole life. He's not going to like be Josh Dumel or whatever. Um, I love Jennifer Lawrence. Like, love, love her. Mm-hmm. Would marry her. She's a little young for you there, Graham. No, she's not. All right, fair. Um, well, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, I'm sorry. Um, but... It's not. It's a good movie. It's not. I don't. I didn't watch. I will. I like that movie. I recommend it to people. Would I put it as the best picture of the year? No, man. Well, and I are, think I would even put flight. I would put flight ahead of it on this list. Well, now you now you throw me. I was I was totally about to agree, <laughs> and then you. I, I didn't see um, the two uh, best picture nominees. I didn't see are Beasts of the Southern Wild and Silver Linings Playbook. But uh, I thought flight. Even was in L.A., it was tough to find Beasts of the Southern. Wild. I mean, yeah, some of these movies. Like, 
it was here for like two weeks and I managed to catch it. I was very happy that I did. Um, and yeah, it's uh, yeah. You mentioned Silver Lang's playbook, so I'll go ahead and, and talk about it because uh, I have some opinions about it. I I loved it, but that's because it, it spoke to a lot of stuff in me. Um, it doesn't deserve that director nomination. I love David O. Russell. Yeah. It doesn't deserve that director nomination, especially if you're not going to nom- nominate a couple other people, which I'll get to in a second. And also, you guys remember two years ago, well, maybe you don't remember, you're probably not thinking about this, two years ago when you were on the show, I was thrilled that Jackie Weaver was nominated for Animal yes. Kingdom. And she's good. She, one could say she's great. In Silver Linings Playbook, there is nothing to that character. Oh, I know. Anyone, any, she, look, she's a great actress, but that's just mom. That's the yeah. mom character who she's, the only reason you remember is because if you're a fan of her work from Animal Kingdom, you go, oh, wow, Jackie Weaver's in this. But like, yeah. there's a million actresses. And that, the fighter, and the fighter. And the fighter. But there's what a, was that? And uh, yeah, the, um, oh no, did I get the title wrong? The Mark Wahlberg movie. The that's Fighter. The Fighter, the fighter yeah. What do you mean? Jackie Weaver was yeah. in that? That's Melissa Leo. Right. Yeah, it's the same. Oh, the, oh, the mother character. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, I see what you mean. Okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's, right. that's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> right, again, Melissa Leo could have played. There's a bunch of actresses that could have done this, and they're, they're, that they're all competent, but it's just such yeah. a, like, it's, it's almost just, like, neighbor or boss. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's almost like this sort friend. of... Friend. Exactly. Yeah. It's this sort of standard character that any competent actor can play. Yeah. There's nothing she's doing in it. Like you say, in Animal Kingdom, there's some scenes in there where you're, are, that are chilling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She talks in this like Australian grandmother voice about how, and underneath it, you're like, oh, she's about to kill, she's threatening to kill this guy and his yeah. whole fucking family. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing like gripping like, see, this is, this is that whole thing right there, that explains... Why Silver Linings Playbook is a good movie and not a great film, but I the think. Thing now, is, do you think uh, of- Killing Me Softly should have been on that list? Killing Them Softly. Killing Them Softly. Killing yeah. Me yes. Softly was Chen Kaigi's only English-language f- film with uh, Joseph Fiennes and Heather Graham. Maybe? I think it should have been included. That should have been included. <laughs> Both of them, Absolutely. yes. <laughs> and as the theme song as well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I think I think yes I think but again, killing him softly. There's like twenty percent of the people that watch it think it's amazing. I'm one of them. I'm one of them. And the other eighty percent, Mike Schmidt too. Love Mike it. Schmidt and the yeah. other eighty percent who see who have seen the movie are like meh. And I guess we're we're sort of getting into the snubs. And I'll 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 uh, finish up my thoughts on supporting actors. It's a very strange thing. There were like Amy Adams, Sellafield, Anne Hathaway, Helen Hunt. Those four were locked in stone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That fifth nomination, nobody knew it was going to go to to Nicole Kidman in the crazy ass movie The Paperboy. It was going to go to Anne Dowd, Anne Dowd for Compliance, or it was going to go to uh, Maggie Smith for Best Exotic Marigold, Marigold Hotel. Like the Oscars, it's almost like they said, like, okay, we can't decide which of these three, so we're just going to push them aside, and we're just going to pick somebody at random. Ah, Jackie Weaver, sure, what the hell? And it's just. It, and there are times when I love the Oscars, and there are times when they make me so furious. Yeah. And it's just like if some movie, even a good movie like Silver Linings <clears throat> Playbook, which has some great performances mm-hmm. in there, like sometimes a movie gets swept up where they want to support it as much as possible, and they'll give it nominations. It does not, of course, warrant. This is one of them. This this film, like, you know, uh, should 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 like either Jennifer Lawrence or Bradley Cooper. Get a nod, yeah, yeah, oh, okay, yeah. I'll if even one go of the, De Niro, that's fine. Yeah, if any one of those those three got a nod, I would say, yeah, yeah, right on. Okay, mm-hmm. um, best picture, no, 
And again, I, yeah, like we said, I don't want this to come. And we're not. No one's saying Jackie Weaver's bad. It's, it's, it's just right. she. It's like nominating. Okay, let me let me think. What's the name? Dash Myhawk, who plays the cop. Mm-hmm. He's great. In Silver Linings Playbook, would you ever nominate him for supporting actor? Of course not. No, because he plays no- cop. Yeah, and he does a great job with it, but there's nothing there. Like, De Niro has probably two great scenes. Mm-hmm. Some I mean, of them funny, t- some of them a, a, a telling thing is, like, on the credits, is it is there a character name or is it actually cop? <laughs> yeah. Is that, you know, are you playing cop or is there a character right. name? Did she just play mom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the character has a name, but she is basically, if, if you were to say, like, oh, what character is she? Oh, she's the mom. Like, right. that's right, how I exactly. describe her. Mm-hmm. And, and it, yes, she's Australian, and she plays, like, an American, like, blue-collar Philly mom. Well, yeah, yeah it's very believable. You, If you didn't know she was Australian, you would you would have no inclination to, to yeah. say that. Okay, so that's... Yeah. But again, it's not worth best actress. Right. And it's and, and, I, and again, I we've said it already, but I do want to emphasize, we're not bashing Jackie Weaver. Mm-mm. She did every... She was... It was a perfectly great performance with a nothing character that should not have been nominated. Right. So and it doesn't um, deserve best director. And so yeah, right and and I'm and again I'm a big fan of David O. Russell. But supporting actor, you mentioned killing them softly. Okay, get Alan Arkin out of there. He's fine, but come on. When James Gandolfini, who's had one of the best years of his career, mm-hmm. three great performances, and he's amazing in killing them softly. Yeah. And like, and Alan Arkin is. He's very good in Argo. He's great in Argo, he's, but there's nothing to that. He's just doing Alan Arkin. Yeah, yeah it's in, not, it's in my like, least favorite parts of the movie. Uh, I like the Tehran stuff a lot. I thought all right, the I'm going to disagree with you guys on that. Okay. I thought Alan Arkin in Argo, I thought he did a fantastic job. And the reason I thought he did a fantastic job, it was like, because he's, you know, with the title of the category, I thought he really supported uh, Ben Affleck's character and complimented it and worked off that character very, very well. And that's when you look at supporting character, it's not just the performance. Mm-hmm. It's also how this character interacts with the leads and the movie itself. So mm-hmm. as far as the supporting actor goes, I think he did, he did deserve and that's, it. And that go. speaks to my problem with it, because that the whole Hollywood part of Argo is my least, like, I want, I would just... I want him to get to Tehran so the movie can start. That's kind of how I feel mm-hmm. the whole time that I'm that I'm watching it, and and so that's why it didn't didn't resonate with me because maybe it was supporting and doing a good job of supporting, but it was supporting a part of the movie that I didn't, didn't like, like very yeah. much. Chris, let me ask you this. Um, uh, yeah, I, I loved Argo front to back. Like, and let's talk about snubs. Ben Affleck for yeah, he well, sh- he should now, have replaced but, David O. Russell. Now I want to I want to mention that for a second. There's I don't know if you guys know this. There's like. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if this is true or not, but uh, it may not have been that he didn't get nominated, that he didn't get enough votes from the directors, um, the directors to actually get the nomination. That's what mm-hmm. happened. So, and that's what ha- that's what happened. So it isn't like the Academy the snubbed Academy him. snubbed him. So it actually happened on a <laughs> much earlier level. <laughs> right. well, but why did these directors not? Great they, question. I Great mean, question. That, that yes. blows me jealous. away. Yeah. They're all that's jealous. They're all jealous. They're <laughs> like, he's too good looking. He's too good looking. He's not a director. He hasn't paid his dues. <laughs> yeah, he's been in Hollywood for 15 years. Uh, well, and as a director. He's paid his dues. Did I you love see? Gone, did Baby you see Gone. that video with J Lo? He paid his dues. Paid his <laughs> yeah. He was in Geely. He's paid his, He's dues. Paid his dues. He was in some movie with Sandra Bullock. Um, Forces of Nature. Forces yes. of Nature. I saw that. Well, this is my question though, with regard to your, like the the way you explain what a supporting actor should do. Yeah, I agree with all that, and I think I think you know I get I, I like I like Alan Arkin. I like him in anything, but don't you think? Like Little Miss Sunshine, we saw the depth of this guy, 
you know, he really like we saw the depth of the grandfather character and did all the supporting things that you talked about. Whereas this, yes, he's supporting everybody, but he's just sort of playing like again, sort of like the Jackie Weaver mom. He's just being Hollywood guy. Like we've seen this character a million times. It's funny, and I'm sure that's how the real guy was, and that's how those guys are. But to me, it wasn't like enough. There wasn't enough depth to the guy. Not enough layers to really. Yeah, layers okay. to the guy. Right. That, that, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. You no, talk that, about like that's, that's ha- fair. Like having seen this before, I think maybe Alan Arkin suffers in my mind and to interrupt all of his own of being compared to Dustin Hoffman in Wag the Dog. Mm-hmm. Like I keep thinking of him because oh, yeah. it's a very similar mm-hmm. role, and sure. Dustin Hoffman is amazing in that movie. And it's a testament to Alan Arkin that I mean, if you were to look at that character on the page, he really is just a collection of one-liners. And it's a testament to Alan Arkin that he takes all those and creates an actual character that you feel like exists. And, yeah. and that's I, I, who I really is credit. Think, yeah, and I think there was a you know there was a melancholy to him too, which I kind of liked. Yeah. Um, that you didn't see too much of, but it was there. And uh, so yeah, I mean I. But I when we, it, but I see your guys' points. But when we compare that to, say, Leonardo DiCaprio with a career best performance in Django Unchained, don't get me wrong. Here's the thing. Everyone's like, it's like, oh, it should have been DiCaprio instead of Christoph Waltz. How about both? They're <laughs> yeah. both amazing. They're both amazing, yeah. You know, even though Christoph Waltz, you could make an argument that he's kind of a lead, but I guess his name isn't the one in the title. That but. movie got so... Django Unchained, I mean... How Jamie Foxx didn't get a goddamn nomination is ama- is beyond me. Lead actor is a strong category this year. Though. And how yeah, neither Rick Ross nor John Legend got original song nominations, and both those songs, Hundred Black Coffins and um, Who Did This to You, I think is a John Legend song, are both amazing. Yeah, right. that's it's a great soundtrack. It's everything, you know. Last ten minutes aside, it's uh, which I still enjoyed, but there's parts of the film that I don't love. But like that movie is just so beautifully conceived. Like it's weird. This is. Up, this is a bit the the Oscars this year, and one could say this is the same with every year, but I don't think so. This is a bit like the the things that were snubbed could have their own Oscars because you've got Tarantino, (laughs) Bigelow, Affleck, you've got DiCaprio and James Gandolfini. Like, there's this whole Cloud Atlas. Oh yeah, sure, Yeah. yeah. Are you guys both Cloud Atlas fans? Yes. Good. Yeah, we did. We liked You're in good Cloud company. Atlas. I loved it when I first saw it, and now I only like it, but I don't hate it like some people do. Here, and um, again, you're right. And that, that and this is this is where I will cut the Academy slack. Is this year was so strong, mm-hmm. and most and aside from Best Picture, every category is only five. You yeah. can only pick five. So. You know, and it, and it comes down to just you know. It could have been a tenth best picture. I think there should have been, <laughs> yeah, without I a doubt. Think. They could have added one easy and maybe replaced a few. But uh, yeah. <laughs> of the of the seven, I've I like all of the best picture nominees that I've seen. I haven't again haven't seen Beasts or Silver Lining. They're I've, all good films. There's no pieces of shit in here. There's nothing on that best picture. There's no Blind Side. Yeah. Well, you're not a Les Mis fan, right? I don't hate it, and okay. I'm fine with it with it being on there. It almost feels it feels kind of like a formality that it's on there but uh well, but i have to it. put that on there kind of yeah it's, you know what i mean like, the like Academy, hey, someone made a musical there you go <laughs> i mean the you Academy, know who's pissed that lee miz is on there anna karenina yeah <laughs> which well, i love one, because the Academy, one period piece that's it period gowns and accents gowns and accents will always <laughs> but not too many not too many <laughs> gowns and accents the academy goes apeshit for a love story from a different era <clears throat> uh, whatever <laughs> that's right i remember from your very first opinion because the academy your very, your very first, first opinion your very first opinion in life was i hate accents no, <laughs> your, very, your very first appearance on the show well I the academy you, members are from a different era <laughs> very much yeah. so and one could say that uh, cuz i've talked with uh, 
because I love the master and I have a friend who loves it maybe even more. God, that movie got shunned. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's really the like, movie about Scientology got shunned. That's weird. <laughs> That's weird. It's not and like they have a stranglehold on Hollywood. <laughs> and yet, if anybody saw that movie, it's so more than that. Everyone just assumed, oh, it's this ex- expose of Scientology. You watch it, and it's like... Well, it's not even it's, that it's more than that. It's not even that. It's be- Yeah, like that. There's an aspect to that. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into this, you know, it delves into, like, these characters, and, and it's just amazing. And, like... Or maybe it it's got- more about it than we know. What? <laughs> what? You just blew my mind. You can't say I, think, I think that's the political play, and this is just me being conspiratorial but i think that's just the, the political play of hollywood is why nominating uh, philip seymour hoffman and joaquin phoenix is is a political move in that you can say oh they just gave great performances when you nominate the movie or the yeah. screenplay then you're saying oh i'm indicting this fucking cult that has a castle inside of hollywood <laughs> yeah. well and that's uh it might be that. It also might be because you mentioned the voters are from a, some of the voters are from a different era, and they're from an era where like the masters they vote from pretty, the Marigold Hotel. Oh, they sure. <laughs> oh, absolutely. Uh, and just like they, uh, but no, but not like the, the best master, one. That's when India, yeah. the like fourth the master, best the, exotic uh, Marigold Hotel. The, the masters okay. is the masters a little experimental, and I could see. I know people, you know, my age who love. There will be blood, and they love P.T. Anderson. They watch that, and like, I don't know what to make of that. And admittedly, I'm not totally sure what to make of it myself. But they responded to that in a negative way, as and I did in a positive way. And so I could see the Academy just being like, Yeah, what? there's some good performances, but I don't get it. Nothing. Not the score. Not the beautiful cinematography. Yeah. Not the amazing screenplay. Not that. Like, it could have been nominated for a number of things, sure. and they just. To me, I think it's a miracle that Walking Phoenix was nominated. I think the fact that everybody came out of that movie and went what the fuck yeah <laughs> and like myself it sounds like it's similar to you i went what the fuck wow that's awesome that pt anderson made this movie that elicits that response you're just uncomfortable yeah. it's like god what did i just see but not in a oh he dropped the ball way but like he intentionally gave you that emotional response and i think some people who had that response went ah, it was dumb then mm-hmm. like they didn't they didn't give him credit enough mm. for creating that. You know, he was so specific in creating that and everything that he did and the direction and the acting and the, the, the way he shot it was mm-hmm. so, ah, like what? Like you just, it's like you met a person, like you you met that movie at a party, you know? And someone's like, how was the party? It was good. I, there was, I don't know, there was something about it. And then you start going, met this one fucking guy at the party. <laughs> made me very uncomfortable. Just the way, and like, what, but what? What? Yeah. How did he do it? I don't know. There was just something. He, the way he ate the dip at the. I just there was something about him. His clothes, everything was just a little bit off. He kept looking at my shoes, was, and I don't like. He wanted them, but he didn't want to ask for them. I don't get it. He was fucking weird, man. Like I can't put a finger on it. And then you, and the, the person will never understand what you mean until you introduce him to that person, and they go, Yeah. Oh, I get I, it. Yeah. I don't get it, but I can't write it out. I can't can't say in a, in a sentence what it is. And that's brilliant directing, I think. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And it's just, there's... Paul Thomas Anderson, more th- more so than maybe any director working right An now... An intangible is, uncomfort- uncomfortability. Yes. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, yeah and he sort, of revel, he sort of revels in that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but not to a self-indulgent extent. Like, I think he is... He's just always exploring stuff within fascinating characters. I disagree. I think he's overrated. Okay, let's move on. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> what? When did this come out? 
I've never heard you say that. Oh, yeah. He's totally overrated. Um, and his movies are way too long. Uh, oh, my God. So Magnolia was a that... great hour and a half film cunningly hidden inside three and a half hours. Oh, man. I, wow. So. It's a good thing that's, Graham is violent. Uh, otherwise, your, I'd threaten you myself. That's your Peter Jackson, I guess. Yeah. Oh, definitely. Uh, I just, yeah. With the exception of There Will Be Blood, which I think is a masterpiece, I kind of, I kind of agree about that. I've always See? felt that way about... Wow, there's two idiots there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think he's. What about Punch Drunk Love? You like Punch I love, Drunk Love? Yeah, I do love you Punch, like Punch Drunk, Drunk Love. Love, Chris. So Punch Drunk Love is the one I haven't seen. So oh, I'll check that, oh, that thing's okay. like uh, ninety-five minutes. You'll love it. Yeah. Oh well, do you go by your wheelhouse, buddy. Yeah, do you go it. by run times first? That's <laughs> with his movies. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. And he, I will say this: he, um, and it's not like I think he's horrible. I think he's actually a brilliant director of actors and scenes. What I have a problem with is when he puts the whole thing together. Oh, I mean. You, you, that, that first, and everybody, I'm certainly not original in saying this, but like that first processing scene is a. In the master. Okay. In the master is a, is a miracle of acting, writing, and directing. It's everything that you want a movie to be. That's. But yeah. you don't, you actually don't because it's so uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, and I love, and that's a, that's a scene that could have been cut shorter, and they thankfully did not. Well, he's, like, like Chris said, he's very good at, at, directing actors and filming them in a way and then editing it to it's always goes on a little bit longer but for the right reasons Mm -hmm. like that to me how he elicits a lot of those emotions and stuff it's just like no you're not getting out of this with a cut I'm sorry we're not going to the next scene yet they're here and so are you what do you think of that asshole you have to watch this (laughs) maybe he's not quite as defiant as that (laughs) Um, I don't know I kind of think yeah (laughs) I think think it's exactly how he shoots yeah (laughs) okay so uh, we've kind of been skipping around he's like Michael Bay over a CG scene This is going to keep going. I don't give a shit. An hour of a robot fighting in slow motion, I'm going to make it boring. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you're right. going to like it. Yeah. Because you're dumb. Now, do you, you're more of the Oscar, Oscar historian, sure. uh, Tyler. Is the lead actress category two record breakers? Is it both the oldest and youngest nominee? I don't think it's the oldest. I think Jessica Tand is the oldest. But, okay. uh Boy, I, you know what? I don't even have the, the slide. I do not remember how to say that girl's first name. I'm sorry. Oh, Quivenjane. Quivenjane. Quivenjane Wallace. Yes. Uh, she is by far the youngest. Yes. Um, and she's uh, wonderful. And, yeah. And is it's, that how old she is? Nine. That's how old she is now. Yeah, she was six, she was six when, when she made, made that she film. Was six when she made. That's amazing. Yeah. And uh, and I remember what was it? I think it was Kramer versus Kramer where. Haley uh, Joel Osment. That's him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like Joe Osmond was... He's 75 now. But uh, Justin Henry, who played the kid in Kramer vs. Kramer, was nominated for Supporting Actor. And I think Melvin Douglas, who at the time was very old, he, uh, he like resented being nominated in the same category as a kid. It didn't matter what the kid's performance was. He felt like, on principle, he should not be in the same category as this kid, even though they were both supporting performances. That's right, and if, if I was... Uh, Emmanuel Riva would be like a six-year-old really <laughs> I, I bet she doesn't even remember like who how many people remember anything from when they were six she won't even remember being in the movie yeah. when, when she's an adult but she does deserve that nomination I thought she was amazing uh, she's too young to win though right oh yeah <laughs> yeah they yeah, yeah. never give it to her uh, Jessica Chaz- Chastain is really good in Zero Dark Thirty yeah, yeah I thought she was great she's uh, she's a really solid actress, and I just I hope that this film and this nomination I don't think she's going to win. I think it'll go, I think it'll go to Jennifer Lawrence or Emmanuel Riva. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I think yeah, generally you go with the older yeah, actress. That's who's going to get usually it. Usually wins. Hmm. But I hope that this. Not, I, the, the good thing about because this, her in the uh, Academy of voters are usually playing bridge. Yeah, <laughs> together. She is French, and we hate those people. Oh yes, we'll the nomination is the award. <laughs> Unless it's somebody beautiful like Marion Cotillard, <laughs> then go for it. Um, I, I the thing that I and this is this is a good thing about the Oscars is. Now Jessica Chastain is getting like mainstream film goers are gonna are knowing who she is now, which is a mm-hmm. good thing. When they when they bring somebody's talent and ability to the mainstream that you know, prior to Zero Dark Thirty and this nomination, how many people knew who she was? You know what I mean? Very she few. Po- she popped up like she was very she was in a lot of movies last year. Uh, but, but it's never, always, but, always but that, not, that girl not, from that one thing. Like yeah, no one but, was saying, but not leads. Right, right, right. Yeah. Supporting all. No the one time. was saying, oh, Je- oh, that's Jessica Chastain. They were saying yeah. that girl who was in that other movie with that one guy. She was in The Help too, right? The Help. Yeah, she, she was nominated yeah, yeah. for the Tree Help. of Life. Take Shelter. She was wonderful in Take Shelter. She was in something else last year too, right? Yeah, I think so. But those are the big three that. Oh wait, there was about. that one that was like it was like a, I don't know, it's like a rural noir mystery movie. Oh yes, forget the name. Now I don't remember the name. But yeah, it is. I just looked at that. Zero Dark Thirty beat out Gangster Squad and A Haunted House. Not that that's a big uh, achievement, but like it is number one in the box office this year. Uh, this year, I'm sorry, this week. And uh, well, it expanded wide release right. this week, and right. so it's making a lot of money. A lot of people are seeing it, um, and I was not expecting it to do that kind of business. And so I think this is now like her official star making turn because she carries that movie mm. um, without a doubt. And I didn't expect that to be a like. I expected that to be much more of an ensemble film than like one central character, um, and I think they made a good choice. I think that's ca- I think Catherine Bigelow, you know, t- did a lot of of adapting the book, and uh, I mean obviously there's a writer that did, but but Catherine Bigelow I think did a fine job of kind of let's make the story about this one person even though there is a team of people and you see the team of people in the movie and you see mm-hmm. all the work that all these people are doing and all over the world like it is a they're not joking it's a global manhunt but but you know in storytelling you have to kind of hang it on one or two people and they did a great job with that and Jessica Chastain was I want to bring up something you just out. said to get to another category because you said adapting the book but actually it's not. It's nominated for best original screenplay. It's not an ad, an official adaptation, but it is based on the book that came out about the raid. I mean, yeah, but I think he, uh, Mark Bull talked to the guys who wrote or the guy who wrote right. the book, as opposed to using the book as a source. Right. And I think that way, he can say, "I, I kind of came up with the whole thing." <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, and that's, it really gets a little nebulous when it's like original screenplay. Original screen, screenplay. Yeah, but. It kind of happened. We kind of know, yeah, you know, know, the beginning, yeah. middle, and end of the story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so it's it's really it's like, well, you know, is it kind of adapted, or maybe that was a way for them to avoid the adapted screenplay. It's fine. Uh, it's fine. It's fine. Uh, the adapted screenplay categories, like, well, we're going to talk to the guys from the. We're not going to officially say we're using the book, so mm-hmm. we can keep it original. I, I'm sure there was those types of conversations as the uh, movie was getting made. We'll just do a little uh, a little sting uh, nose. nose yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, speaking no, of original, yeah. Speaking of things that might be in the wrong category, now I loved Life of Pi, but. How much of that, what, what, when people are nominating it for cinematography, how much of that is actually visual effects? I mean, most, I mean, Life of Pi, have you guys all seen it? Uh-huh. Yes. It's beautiful to look at, but most of that, you know, when they have the the super 
clear reflective water that's mm-hmm. that that doesn't actually look like that that was created after so and is that what, still I cinematography I, I think it is i don't mind it because yeah. you, you especially if you go all the way back to oh brother where out the where art thou and you mm-hmm. have like roger deakins who's an amazing uh dp uh, and cinematographer you you have him shoot a certain way but then when he gets into the editing room and actually changes the color saturation and the colors i think that all counts as right. uh as part okay. of it and it made that movie more vibrant more uh, vivid, and then you go everything from Lord of the Rings to Life of Pi. It uh, it's an entire process that starts in the camera and finishes in post, but it still encompasses cinematography. Yeah, and it, I think I mean too, like kind of to add what Chris is saying is the technology now has sort of made this a little bit of a blurry line yeah. in terms of cinema because because nothing is just shot on film and cut you know i mean nothing is done that yeah. way anymore so any, except nature documentaries yeah really that's it. i mean literally anything anything could be considered visual could go under visual effects um now i don't have the uh, name of the cinematographer of life of pi in front of me but um uh do, do you guys know or are you assuming that he was involved in that process the way that roger deakins was with the color timing they all are brother yeah there's no question yeah yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, especially those those, right. those convince a, me those a-list dps are yeah, that's, they're involved, that's their start baby. to finish. Speaking yeah. of, did you guys see Side by Side, that documentary that Keanu Reeves uh, produced no. about about sort of uh, the rise of digital filmmaking? Like he interviews, he interviews everybody, like he Roger Deakins and uh, Martin Scorsese. Like I could list people all day. It's fascinating, really mm-hmm. awesome documentary. Um, to uh, to go with at, th- at this point. Because I agree, it's the line is blurred. I feel like there at this point maybe need needs to be like some new category which they're never going to do. But like at this point, like if Avatar can win cinematography, then all, all bets are off. Like it's, <laughs> and I don't say that uh, throwing my hands. Hey, up. But even after what they just said, you don't see how it fits in. I see how it fits in, but like part of me feels like, well, it, it, I guess maybe they need to rename it or something like that like they have with sound editing but natural cinematography and post cinematography <laughs> maybe maybe because, it, because it's literally it's a blur now like like we're talking about but, at this but point, I, agree, I agree avatar is like all post like yeah, i mean yeah. that whole movie was post basically mm-hmm. that was almost an animated movie yeah it was much. it ba- barely not <laughs> i wonder if there's a way this is this may be too lofty and not a uh, technical uh, 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 thing to say but like you know, I feel like they should just instead of cinematography, call it like best vision or something like that, because <laughs> the cinematographer is in charge of uh, not in charge over the director, but like is in charge of like making a vision happen visually. And that can incorporate visual effects and all that. It's not merely where you put the camera anymore. It's basically just who had who had the best eye. Um, yeah, I think what's. What's more likely to happen is not that they change the name of the category, but that we change what we mean when we use the word yeah. cinematography. Oh, yeah. I think that's which is already happening. And that yeah. seems to be happening every yeah. year with something. Yeah. Do you think they would ever? Do you think they would ever add a add a category to incorporate three D cinematography, or do you I think that not. would be part of this? Uh, I hope they don't. And I also hope they get rid of three uh, D. No, uh, the I thought Life of Pi was beautiful in three D. Best animated big... film and best foreign film. I wish there were just a best film, but I know obviously stuff yeah. would then lose out. And I was saying, you know, I was saying to Chris before we started, if they add a, the number one category, I want them to add is best stunts. That's mm. a, a huge part of movies. <laughs> well, that's yeah. a, but that's I don't, that's the ghettoization that I'm talking about that I don't want. Uh, even though it would. 
you think adding a best comedy category would would yeah it would ghettoize the way that like it, it it's pretty much impossible now for an animated film to win best picture because there's the best animated film category so it makes it it it, it gives this yeah but they were never going to win anyway yeah, it almost never happens but yeah it, but it just gives and here's this... the great thing about you know making an animated movie if you make an animated movie chances are you're going to be nominated <laughs> you know you've got a pretty good chance of being nominated um, for the year although at the same time like I, and I think we I think we've said this uh, with you guys before like there's really like how many great comedies are there per year are there are there five no like there are probably three that are gr- truly well, great and by my in, in my opinion the funniest movie of the year is nominated for best picture it's Django Unchained <laughs> and, you know, I laughed I probably laughed more at that and at Casa de mi Padre than yeah, anything else I saw this you're year right, you're right it's just this is a this is an interesting discussion and, and I, I I'm now asking this question um, am I still hungry am I still hungry <laughs> the answer is yes um <laughs> I've had five Atkins bars. Yes. Um, I, I I have a mitten covered in peanut butter <laughs> that I'm just teething. Um, I, uh, if you were to add a comedy category, would these like you know? Uh, would the Hangover be nominated? Would the basically? Hangover be nominated? Would some, this is forty. Would some, yeah, would This Is 40 be nominated? Would some, you know, uh, Catherine Heigl movie get right, nominated? Right. Like, would that happen? And would that really... Playing, make... Can you imagine that category playing for keeps? You know, <laughs> you know <laughs> and I'm just like, well, it's all we have. Meet well, the Fockers for... Yeah, yeah. But that's the thing. Fockers I mean, just... sound... I don't know if you guys know this, but Fockers sounds like a swear word. So, like, Which throughout one? the whole... Fucker. I mean, did you realize that? I that's, just got Yeah, that. yeah. That's what those movies, it's so great. You have no idea. And they're going to let you know 500 to... times throughout the movie that their last name, Fokker, sounds like a dirty word. I think I, I need, I need to go back movies. and rewatch all 16 of those movies oh, now. Oh, you should. They're <laughs> genius. They're brilliant based on one joke. And I do think, I do think, um, I mean, just look at the Golden Globes. Like, you look at uh, the comedy category and... Oh, isn't it uh, comedy and, and music? Yeah, comedy which is a musical. ridiculous because it's just like, oh yeah, Silver Linings Playbook is just like Les Miserables. You, uh, <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, at that point, just call the category what's left. Yeah, just miscellaneous. Yeah, comedy and music are totally the same thing. It's, <laughs> oh, it's, I don't unless I don't you're watching understand. Spam a lot. Not yeah, really right. true. And just like, I don't know. It's uh, I think it would, but you look at that category, and there are probably sure enough three solid movies, and then two where you're like. Uh, well, I guess they have to fill they it. Have to round it out. So, would, would, let me ask you this then: Would that category, um, like, let's say it was there this year, would like, okay, well, this is where we're going to put Moonrise Kingdom? Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? And that's would, probably where Silver Linings Playbook would have ended these, up these, as well. These I think. smarter, funnier dramedies. Would they fill it in so that we? But then Silver have- Linings Playbook would be like, well, no, we want to be for Best Picture, so we don't want that category. So that's, right. they'd be mad. But then, I mean, would, would, would it be ridiculous like the Golden Globes? Like you'd have, you'd have Moonrise Kingdom and then the, whatever, the new Kevin James vehicle. And then like, would you have this like preposterous. Bumpy Folly Downey. Bumpy Folly Downey. Uh, snort Laugh and David O. Russell. Really? I don't, There's I don't no know way if, they should be in the same fucking category. I don't know if they would go that far. But what I do think is, because if you look at, look at this. Okay. Tonight, uh, as of, uh, the night of recording and the night of posting, actually, uh, the golden globes are going to be tonight. And I guarantee you best motion picture drama will be the last category. Cause that's the real one. Oh, right. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. There's like, if, if the Oscars did best comedy, that would be, that would be up there with short films with, 
Well, I don't know. You're right. It absolutely would. The real one is best. And even if they, even if there was nothing officially called picture, it'd be best drama or best comedy. Then best drama is the one they would end on because that's the real one. And it also would change things a little bit because then suddenly, like, let's say it didn't happen this year, but uh, let's say Up, Up was nominated for best picture. Would they have thrown that into comedy? Probably, mm-hmm. because it's more comedy. Because first and, off, and it helps them to round it out. And I'll tell you what, right now, a pure comedy is never whether they have this category or not is yeah. never going to win Best Picture because it has to have some heartstring serious shit in there. It has to for them to even think about it. Yeah, like mm-hmm. Rushmore. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like, like that movie. People are like, oh, it's a it's a wacky Wes Anderson movie. Yeah, but it has some serious heart to it, and yeah. that you can't. Only a dramedy is the is the yeah. the closest type of comedy that they're ever even going to. Or think sideways, about. Or sideways side- the same way. The Descendants, yeah. which could go into, which could be considered drama or comedy at that right. point. Annie Hall won, and while that is very funny, there's also a, kind of a nostalgic melancholy to it, mm-hmm. and so yeah, it's. I know I agree with you, and I think it's. In all of Woody Allen's movies. Yeah. yeah. Well, except uh, Small Time Crooks. Yeah. <laughs> which I enjoyed quite a bit. But uh, The bar of soap and the gun and the rain. God damn it. <laughs> Come on. But it's just, uh, I don't know, it's, um, it is a shame because just, and even with performances, like, a truly comedic performance almost never gets nominated, much less wins. Like, like uh, what's her name? Melissa McCarthy from Bridesmaids. Like that was a miracle. Despite that she was nominated. The, the, the thing about it is, is and, and comedy has always been at the kids' table. Mm-hmm. Even though, like, uh, take the, take all these best actors here. Leading actor, okay? Bradley Cooper. He, oh yeah, he's done some comedy. Daniel Day Lewis could never be funny <laughs> if he fucking tried. Like if he, if, except he often is funny, but not in a character that is overtly. He could comedy. never do comedy. Hugh Jackman could be funny. Yeah, yeah. Okay, Joaquin Phoenix never in a million years, <laughs> ever, ever. He takes himself way too seriously. It's why the only part he can play is some weirdo fucking World War II vet who whacks off on a beach. You know, like Denzel Washington. Washington. Okay, he's not funny, but he's a, he could be directed to do comedy in in a certain way. But the thing is, is like uh, a pure comedian, if directed correctly, can do drama. But mm-hmm. the best actor in the world, if they don't have comedic timing, forget it. And yet, comedy is looked at like it's this wedding DJ of entertainment. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's one every of the once reasons- in a while you can go back and forth, like uh, like Robert De Niro has some funny scenes in a couple of comedies, but uh, for the most part, yeah, it's true. And it's uh, so David mentioned that stunts would be the category he would add. If I added one, and it sounds strange, I would add supporting. I would basically take supporting actor and actress and split it into supporting tw- uh, less than twenty minutes and supporting twenty minutes or more. Because here's the weird thing. <laughs> okay, I know I know it sounds strange. Did did we all see Zero Dark Thirty? Uh-huh. Okay. Did you did you see it? Seen it yet. Did you see it? Yes. Okay. Uh, I know how it ends though. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. There's a spoiler at the beginning of the film. There is a char- There's a character being interrogated. He's a d- detainee, and you see him. He spent. He's in the film probably a total of about ten minutes at most, and that's an amazing performance by an actor that you don't know. No one knows who that is, uh, but it's an amazing performance in which he has to be in pain he has to be terrified he has to be defiant and then he has to be compliant and by the way hate himself as he's doing it like 
there's more amazing acting in that performance that because of the nature of what it is would never be nominated now sometimes they'll do it with like a William Hurt in a history of violence because it's William Hurt but in a, in a situation like this it would never happen and it's just like that deserves to be not, to, deserves to be honored just as much as you know Tommy Lee Jones who I think is great but like I don't know it, it, for a while I said like there needs to be like a best cameo uh Oscar, but then people associate that with like someone walking on and playing themselves Big or something famous like that. person yeah. jumping mm-hmm. in for two mm-hmm. minutes. Um, yeah. And I know it'll never happen, but it's just like I don't know it because for and then the other thing will happen is like yes, William Hurt was nominated for a wonderful performance. I mean, what you would have to violence. call it is best bit part. Mm-hmm. That's I really guess what so, it is, which unfortunately has a negative connotation. It does, it does. but that's but like, what it is. Yeah. yeah, unless you're unless you're like Judy Dench, who did not win the previous year for Mrs. Brown. If you're in like a little bit part and you're nominated, the nomination is the is the award, and you will lose to somebody who is plays a much larger role. Like William Hurt lost to George Clooney in Syriana, arguably the lead. Um, you know, Ned Beatty in Network, eight minutes of wonderful screen time, and then he gets nominated and he loses to Jason Robards, who certainly isn't the lead in All the President's Men, but has a much larger role. Like, it's just, it's it's kind of the, we, we want to try to be careful about, like, ghettoizing things, but if you wind up not honoring something at all that de- absolutely deserves to be honored, like, part of me is sort of okay with ghettoizing it, provided you can fill the category, which it's argued you couldn't. But with movies like, you know, Zero Dark Thirty and Argo, like, there are great smaller characters and performances in there that deserve to be uh, recognized that never would be. And the only way you can do that is giving two people in one film a nod. So one film takes up two of the five best supporting slots, which is like... They almost never do it. I mean, they do it sometimes, but it's like, man, it's... then, then Then when that happens, then you feel like... Like I see what you're saying. You need to open up five more slots because mm-hmm. you're taking up space yeah. for a lot, or, or there's just less space for all these other good parts. Yeah, yeah. But that's just, that's a little rant I've been making for a long mm-hmm. time, and people are probably tired of hearing of it. Sorry, sorry, listeners. So. <laughs> what should we move on? Should we move on to documentaries? Did you guys watch these? I've seen all but one. I haven't seen any of these. I do uh, animated features. Oh, okay. Yeah, um, Paranorman. Awesome. So it's you amazing. know what? The, the the nice thing about uh, this category this year, there's no Shreks. Uh-huh. There's no Madagascars. There are no Ice Ages. Yeah. I mean, it's actually a solid animated feature category this year. And yeah. I'd actually like to see Frank and Weenie win. I, I liked... And the reason I wanted to see... Like, I think Brave will win, but mm-hmm. I thought Frank and Weenie was a better movie. Not that any of these were bad. They were all they were all uh, good. I think uh, Frank and Weenie is my second favorite animated yeah, no, film of the year after Paranormal. I think Frank and Weenie, because it took such a chance and did something so different. I mean, Tim Burton took a, uh, a short film from his earlier career, made a feature-length, black-and-white, uh-huh. animated movie that was a, a homage to um, 50s monster movies. Yeah. And, you know, packaged it as a kid's movie. <laughs> And so I thought it was really kind of, um, you know, gutsy to kind of try to pull that off. Ultimately, it didn't do that great at the box office. But as a and movie and as an experiment, I thought it was really cool. It, it also didn't do, I don't think, as great critically as it deserved to. I think people have, I think it suffered from two things. It was but, mixed, yeah, yeah. Mostly, I think a lot of people, uh, critics have written off Tim Burton by this point. And, mostly, rightfully and, so. And I, yeah, and I understand Dark Shadows was terrible. It's not Dark Shadows. Um can't uh, argue there. And then I also I think want to, but I that, can't. Um, I also think that um, just the fact that it came out after Paranorman and deals with 
in a similar milieu being this sort of macabre horror comedy kids movie yes yes they still the, still the living dead at some point mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> uh, did you guys see paranorman so paranorman i saw because <laughs> I, I loved it yeah I, I haven't seen the uh, it's a weird thing where i've actually haven't seen the whole thing yeah it's <laughs> but i want to catch it Tyler, did you yeah. see Paranorman? I did see Paranorman, and that would probably be my my choice of what I would like to win. Um, I haven't watched Brave yet. Um, Brave was disappointing to me. That's what I hear. Brave was okay. It was not the movie you thought it was going to be. Or um, the one you wanted it to be. Or the one you wanted it to be. And I, 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 I describe it as the opposite of like Finding Nemo, mm-hmm. where you have Finding Nemo, where you have this almost like a this great road adventure where these characters are going through all these different adventures but at the core it's about a relationship between a, a parent and a child mm-hmm. yeah. whereas uh, it reverses where the entire thing is uh, in Brave is about the relationship between a parent and a child and they forgot to add all the great adventure <laughs> and uh, excitement to the movie so it's but it's not a bad movie it's just nowhere near the the great Pixar movies yeah it's unfortunate uh, Pixar has been off a couple of years because Cars 2 man I did not care for that and I'm not even a big fan of the first Cars but you watch Cars 2 and the first one's like oh this is pretty yeah, good you know, you know what I will say the ride is great <laughs> I agree with you. And they I should love- have a ride category, yeah. a yeah. franchise, <laughs> a film franchise ride. And a friend category. of mine goes to me is like, yeah, you know, Disney. They can even take a mediocre movie and make a great ride from it. Oh, yeah. All <laughs> of Cars, that, that Radiator is Springs ride in Disneyland is amazing. Yeah. It's so good. It's, they should uh, make a Zero Dark Thirty ride. By they me. should make a Zero Dark Thirty. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, and then like right next to the Black Hawk Down. <laughs> right. <laughs> I did because I, uh, I spent the la- I just spent the last three days at uh, Disneyland with my wife, and it was awesome. Um, and uh, I often uh, go on these flights of fancy of thinking of like uh, an adult theme park. It starts with being like, man, I wish there weren't so many kids around. Um, yeah. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, they're ruining it. Yeah. <laughs> really well, are. yeah, I'm a ki- I how can I be a kid at heart when there's actual kids walking around? <laughs> but um, still my thunder kids. <laughs> but uh and so then I, I it went from like an adult theme park where o- o- like 15 and older are allowed, not a, that I want teenagers there, but they yeah, got that's yeah. Magic Mountain. Fair enough. Okay. But you <laughs> no creativity to Magic Mountain. Nope. And so then I thought, I love well, then Magic they should Mountain. make then they should make rides that are like the rides at Disneyland, but are you know, there's like an apocalypse now ride or something like that, <laughs> oh, where it's yes. where it's crazy. You and, go up the river and you battle Kurtz and his Montanaired army. Yeah. And then yeah, like they I have think an you could a bamboo cage. You yeah. could, I think they could shut down parts of the Caribbean for a month, rework it, and it would essentially be apocalypse now the ride. Well, I think I mean, <laughs> maybe Jungle Cruise. Oh yeah, they, yeah. But they still have the guy making the hokey jokes. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like, oh, and and there at the end where the ride. where the headhunter chief now it's now it's. It's Kurt. It's Kurt's holding Chef's head. <laughs> <laughs> man, oh man, this thing writes itself. Yeah, and you're just on a boat, and you just hear stuff like, "You're an errand boy sent by grocery clerks to collect a bill." I would so. Be, oh, look I at would, those hippos! And then, yeah, then the hippo comes out of the water and sprays you with water. <laughs> The tiger jumps out at you. <laughs> Never get off the fucking boat, man. I fucking God Yeah, the, the hippo rises out of the water like Martin Sheen coming out of you. They have him rise up, but his ears are wiggling. And that's how you know he's going to attack. Oh, man. This thing's great. Everybody gets what they want. <laughs> uh, yes, moving on. Um, what about, Sorry. Um, I, uh, did you guys like Wreck-It Ralph? I, I was a little sour on it. I, I liked it, but I thought uh, I think it ran into. I actually did like it, but it ran into those licensing kind of legal issues. Uh-huh. Like uh, what happened with that movie was 
uh, when you have a movie like Roger Rabbit, you know, when you have all these licensed characters in the mm-hmm. movies, everyone is very specific on what their characters can and can't do in the movies. So I think they were kind of hobbled a bit where, you know, you don't see Mario or, I mean, Sonic's doing like an infomercial. Like when you see a movie about video games, you want to see like your favorite video game characters a little more uh, involved in the story. Mm-hmm. And I don't think they were able to do that for legal reasons. So I think that hamstringed the movie a little bit. But ultimately, I really, I did like it. I thought it was good. It kind of had like those video game in jokes. And it was it was kind of retro. with Like when we all used to kind of go to the arcades and, and play and put the quarters on top. And, you know, seeing these old games, I thought that was really cool. Did, yeah. did you find the message of the movie a bit depressing? That it was essentially saying like, know your place. Like you can't. <laughs> There's an argument to be made that it is very much about that. Don't dream. Yeah, yeah that's kind of how I felt. I think that's the main thing that. No, your place. The main reason I underneath didn't, like, every Disney movie has that message. Yeah, yeah. yeah. know your place. Look, look at uh, the, the, actually the, the the one the more egregious one that uh, has that message is uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh yeah, that's oh yeah. The one that's yeah. like, oh my, this is a horrible mess. <laughs> yeah. Don't think big. Yeah, we'll yeah. do it for you yeah. and you, pay us handsomely to come to our parks. You're disfigured, yes. So um, no, you will never know happiness, but you can help the attractive people get together. That's what you. That's what your job is. Yeah. Now go back home and live with the gargoyles because you are one. You can that's, have Jason Alexander as the, as a wacky gargoyle all you want, but that is a depressing, depressing movie. <laughs> and in an interview, I kind of missed the mark a little bit. I, I like it a lot, but like I, Jason Alexander in an interview said, he's like, I don't think I would ever show this to my kid, <laughs> even though it's ostensibly for him. Right. Um, but uh, okay, so let's, let's go into documentaries on. then. Yeah, sure. Yeah. All right, yeah. So what? Which Dave is? Which ones have you seen on this list? I've seen all except for Five Broken Cameras, which I don't even know what that is. Okay. What do you? What are your? Because the only one I've seen on this uh, thus far is Searching for Sugar Man, and this is, and I say this every year because this it is, had the word sugar in it. I just you were hungry. Sugar. I, was like, I was having a fit, and I had to run into a you Cineplex, want, <laughs> and I was like, oh. I need food for my eyes. Oh, is there? <laughs> is there a Searching for Protein Man? Um, uh, because this is one of the things that I do very much like about the Oscars is this category because yeah. every year it introduces a bunch of films that would dwindle in obscurity and they get a mass they get a mass uh viewing basically because of the oscars so which because the only one i saw was searching for sugar man and so what well, i'll talk about real quick a couple that didn't get nominated which is um spike lee's bad 25 i don't know if you guys saw that it's about the making of um michael jackson's bad album uh and it's it's probably my favorite documentary of the year and then of course queen of versailles which, which got I a lot love. of pre- oh, press yeah, and yeah. i was sort of i haven't seen that but one. there's always it seems like every year there's like one documentary that, one that oh it's so great i love it yeah. that's yeah. the family that was wealthy and then lost everything and yeah, yeah they, the timeshare guy on her. yeah 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 and it's more and it's mostly about his his wife yeah mm-hmm. um it seems like there's one because of the weird like nomination process it always seems like every year there's one like big documentary that gets a lot of press and buzz and then doesn't end up getting nominated uh i mean hoop dreams is obviously the uh yeah, the the chief example. But as far as these things, searching for Sugar Man, did you like it? I I loved it. I, to me, the thing the thing I liked about it was it was everything that is great about the medium of documentary filmmaking. It's it exposed me to something I, I had no idea who this guy was. The way they told the story, I thought was very inventive. They used all of his music. For those of you who don't know, it's a it's a documentary about this guy Rodriguez, who was mm-hmm. this like folk singer in the late '60s and '70s. In uh, came out of Detroit, made a couple albums in the states. They did nothing, and he kind of fell off into obscurity. And then someone brought his album to South Africa 
in the 70s, right when they were first starting to fight against apartheid in South Africa was this oppressive police state. And he was this like, his music was this like, it was the music of their revolution, uh-huh. you know? And, but then back then, no one knew who he was. The album just said Rodriguez. They couldn't find him. So there was this like 15, 20 year manhunt to figure out who this guy was. And the documentary is all about that. And they only use his music to tell the story. So I just thought. And the music is great. The music is great. I bought the album. I bought yeah. Cold Fact. And yeah. it's, uh, I downloaded it and it's on my iPhone. And I, I, I listen to it constantly. Um, because it's got a lot of social commentary. Uh-huh. And then a lot of the songs, too, now, they sound like hippie, folksy stuff, but the, a lot of the lyrics are like, this relationship sucked and beat it, and I don't <laughs> yeah. know, you're a pain in the ass, and get yeah. out of here, which I don't know. I kind of dug it. Um, so I, to me, it's it's they use some a couple little you know animated sequences to sort of get the vibe and the tone and the interviews they got, and it's sort of this you're following this sort of detective story and how to and how they found him and I don't know I yeah. really and I, there's some amazing shots of Detroit I think oftentimes with a documentary the cinematography sort of gets uh, put on the back burner it's more and it, but they actually there's times when there's narration there's these long slow pans of like snow covered Detroit that are just like beautiful to look at and then at. they put that up against his music his yeah. like haunting yeah. music you know and it's 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 they really did a great job of the filmmakers did a great job of telling the story and using good footage because the, like you say the reason why a lot of documentaries the cinematography kind of falls by the wayside is they're just running around with a digital camera just yeah, yeah. just shooting whatever they're not thinking about shot composition and stuff like that but this they really did because they needed to short sort of shoot b-roll if you will to help tell the story based on the interviews from the people mainly from South Africa. So they did a really nice job. I, I'm wondering, my guess is that they got the interviews and then went, okay, we need to shoot. Like they went back right, and right. shot Detroit in a certain way to kind of paint it's, the picture of. It's definitely, yeah, it's a really uh, clearly thoroughly considered film. And then I, but that actually points to the one thing that maybe keeps it from being a top movie for me is that when I like, I walked out of there being like, "That was amazing! I love this." And it was like the next day I started thinking, like, "Well, all that stuff, like the way information was teased out, that's actually a like it felt really disingenuous." Like, because clearly the, the the filmmaker knows the reveals. There's a series of reveals. Clearly, he knows, and he's only showing us. He's like, "I felt, I felt kind of toyed with." Really? Yeah, and I guess I thought it was manipulated. Just, yeah, manipulated. Well, to me, I didn't feel manipulated. I'm glad he. It's like. I thought he was telling an interesting story, and and if you tell the end of the story first, then it kind of kills it. Like I yeah, think that's that a, the, you, I think it was the best way to tell that story. And, um, and I, th- I think you're probably right. And the other thing too, like <laughs> like um, is you've convinced him is, <laughs> is um you know this going back to how they shot Detroit. He was he wasn't like most folk singers were like white middle-class kids of privilege like that's who a lot of the hippies were Mm -hmm. these like middle-class and upper middle-class white kids who felt guilty or whatever or like oh the system is broken and i i'm in a position of power to do something i'm gonna i'm you know i'm college educated he was a blue-collar guy from detroit yeah that like between carpentry jobs would like go to these bars you know 
and play. He wasn't playing in San Francisco or somewhere like that. He was like cold, hard fucking Detroit, man. Yeah, when the yeah. Rust Belt was crumbling in the late 60s and 70s, when all the factory jobs first started to go away and all that shit. And his, and his lyrics and stuff are just like crucify your mind. God, it's a great, it's yeah, a great song. Really awesome music. Uh, okay, what else is on here? Um, the Invisible War is amazing. I mean, Kirby, Duck, Kirby Dick is an amazing documentarian. I don't know that I'd ever sit through it again because it's so fucking depressing. It's about um, it's about the just staggering amount of uh, rapes that occur within the American military hmm. and the way that uh, the system is set up. How how rare it is for anyone to get in trouble for raping their their fellow you know their their fellow yeah. soldiers it, it's, it's pretty brutal uh, wow. it's it's um, it's it's enraging to watch the movie it's really well made uh but uh, it's, it's it's rough it's such a thing like all the times i've been overseas and you see all these posters and signs up like report sexual assault and you know all it's you can tell it's a huge issue but then there's the, there's a film like this and you see like how a lot of it is whitewashed and how, yeah. I mean, well, rape they, in general is such a, a, a difficult thing to prosecute in the civilian sector. And then in the military world, it's, it's 10 times harder to, yeah. you know, cause you, you fall into this, he said, she said, and it's, it's, it's awful. And you know, because tell like the, us a little the, bit the, more about the the movie, because a lot of us haven't seen yeah, the, it. Is, it. is it like do they do interviews? Yeah, like it's how? it's a series of a, a, a whole number. I mean, it speaks to the the number of women who get raped in the military. There's a whole lot of women that he, that he interviews from people who you know are now uh, older and retired. People who you know this one one of the main uh, women was in the Coast Guard, and she's she can't be more than like 23 or 24 and it gives their point. like names and shows their faces oh yeah and huh. and yeah and speaking of faces she's um uh got horrible jaw problems because her commander not only raped her he broke her jaw first oh. and then oh and then raped her um and it's because the people who are in charge of the the whatever sort of group i don't know what the words are but the commanding officer is the person who is also in charge of making the decisions of prosecution or at least that was true actually um after this movie was was made um and the secretary of defense saw it that's no longer true now when it comes to prosecutions of this sort of thing it's made the decisions are made independently um which is a you know small step in the right direction but uh that thing you were talking about graham of the um the posters and stuff even that is jaw dropping they show um like these this video they show to uh to to women um in the in the military that's like the story is like, it's like this woman uh, and her uh, another uh, like a uh, soldier are uh working on something and then she's like i'm going to go back to my my bunk it's like at night and then she almost gets raped and then like she finally finds somebody and she's like help and then the people are like well, why didn't you have a buddy with you? Like it puts it puts it it puts the the onus on the women. It it, it 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 treats it treats it almost as if like, look, you're probably gonna someone's probably gonna try to rape you, so it's on you to try not to get raped. That's that's like the tone wow. of look, their. These guys just. What choice do they have? Yeah. Really, yeah. their own fault. Aside from not raping, I yeah. guess is a choice you could make. I know. Yeah, and yeah, they, and they sounds... talk about how oh. because of. Um, the because of the culture of the military and the way that you're taught to think about one another it's like a whole other level of it's they're, they're not only raped it's almost like incest because they've come to they it, it's almost like their older brother raped them right. because they've 
been they've been told to you know place all your trust in one another yeah. and uh so it's it's a, which also makes it a particularly ripe uh and fertile ground for sexual predators it's it's easier for them they have more access more opportunity to uh yeah and it's you know three to one male to female mm-hmm, or something like mm-hmm. that you know and in a forward area it's probably four or five to one you know yeah. it's it's and but they, they do also interview at least one man and that there are uh, quite a number of men who were raped in the military as well. Does the does the film delve at all into, um, like, or maybe it just avoids it completely? Like the psychology of this, like, is it is it disproportionate? Like the number of like the number of rapes in the civilian world versus like in the military? Like, does it seem like there should like there's yeah. more than they actually it would talk the. A statistic that comes up a couple times is that someone who enters the military is twice as likely to have committed sexual assault in the past wow. than than someone who doesn't. Wow. So the statistics are higher. Uh, yeah, yeah. And so They're, does it go into maybe you know? And I want to step lightly here because I don't want to like cast aspersions on soldiers or people that you know serve their country. But like, do they go into like what the quote unquote soldier mentality might or the military mentality might be that attracts? Well, one thing people? they talk about is that. Um, there are you know certain uh you know certain reasons that people go into in into the military and sometimes it's people who don't have a lot of other options maybe for legal reasons maybe because of their their behavior because they're violent people well that's the thing too and it's like you know to you can never just say the military because mm-hmm. it's a huge organization there's a lot of really good people there's also horrible people because like and this is a thing that I remember actually getting back to Jack Reacher and he makes an excellent <laughs> point because he's a military investigator he uh-huh. goes there's four types of people that get into yeah, the military yeah. there's it's my family's business dad mom grandfather all in it I joined mm-hmm. then there's the uh, the patriots like I think this is the right I need to this is my job I, I want to be of service I want to help my country I want to right wrongs then there's I got nowhere else to go Right. You know, this I is going to get to college. I can, I can get, get to job. college, yeah. or there's no jobs in my town, and this, this, they're, they're paying. And then there's the fourth is I get a license to kill. Mm-hmm. You know, like you, that's what you're being trained. And there's mm-hmm. there's sociopaths that go in there because it's like I get to kill <clears throat> legally. Mm-hmm. You know, and and having been in war zones, I remember thinking the first time I was there, going, man, I see how easy it could be to. Uh, kill a dude. Like, let's say you're, there's a guy in your unit you don't like or you don't mm-hmm. get along with. You could kill it and, oh, crazy firefight. You know what I mean? Like, you're in a firefight. I could put one in the back of your head and just say, oh, he caught around. You know, mm-hmm. like, that's what a firefight. The enemy mm-hmm. shot him. And I could see in these dark bases where you have... Wouldn't forensics kind of <laughs> figure that out, though? Forensics? I mean, you think they're sending a forensic team <laughs> after a big firefight? Like you're in a firefight with the enemy, and but they're gonna... the enemy shooting one way, and then somebody has a sure, bullet the have... other way. No, they have investigators. Yeah, that's but, what I mean. But you could do it in a but way. No, I don't expect CSI to show up. <laughs> but I mean, if you do a it little the... plastic baggie for every yeah. show, <laughs> if you do it the right way, you know, you could you could easily. I mean, everyone's got a weapon. People are trained to kill. And then, like, in these bases where they got to maintain light discipline, they're pitch black. And you're walking around with an inf- like with a green flashlight. Like, you could easily, you know, it's, it's, I, I was like, I could see how this could happen. And I could see also how being in that environment, 
could bring out the animal in you, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I'm not excusing what anyone does, but then there's also sick fucks that are like, they know that that's mm-hmm. the environment and they mm-hmm. know they could get away with shit, you know, and, uh, you know, especially like being in a third world country or something like that. Like, I don't even want to know what the horrifying mm-hmm. crap is done to locals, you know, somewhere that they know they can get away with. And then also then it needs to be brought up. It needs to be, it needs to come into the the light, but also the the good things need to come into the light too. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I don't, you don't want to whitewash it in either direction. You don't want to just say, oh, it's a couple bad apples and boys will be boys. You don't want to do that. And you don't want to say, oh, everyone in the military is a fucking psychotic rapist killer. Yeah. You don't want to do either one of those things, but it's so, it's so difficult and it's so emotionally charged. And, and then the commanding officers having all this power and mm-hmm. it's, it's a, I remember there's a, there's a documentary a friend of mine made named Bratz, which is about military kids. And one of the things they talked about, which is something I didn't know, that if you're, if you are a child of a, of a military officer or anyone in the military and you're living on base and you go to the doctor, there's no confidentiality. Huh. Hmm. So like, and what, what, would happen and one of the things this guy did uh, Tim Wirtz who was producer on this film did would they help raise money to get um, psychologists and doctors off base that that have to honor the confidentiality because what can happen you can go to the base doctor and like this would happen like a girl might have gotten raped on base and then the base doctor can go to the dad who's the commanding officer and the dad, you know, can say, Oh, this didn't happen or whatever and not acknowledge it. Or the Mm -hmm. kid's got a drug problem or, or an emotional problem. And then it's like, Oh, well, you're not a good commanding officer. If you can't control your own fucking kid, how can you lead a unit of, you know, a division of men? So then all this stuff gets swept under the rug, which I'm sure this movie kind of covers a little bit. Yeah. That's a big, but anyway, I went off on a crazy long Well, um, the other documentaries here are not uh, a lot. They're not a, like a romp either. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. How to Survive a Plague is about um, the uh, AIDS. AIDS, AIDS, and particularly the organization ACT UP that um, did really amazing things at a time when the uh, the Reagan and then even the first Bush administration seemed to be refusing to. And, you know, I mean, Reagan never even, like, talked about aids the i mean it was uh, there were his back on the whole thing it's yeah. and and maybe because it's a particular area of interest for mine and of mine and i watch i've seen a lot of documentaries on the subject this one didn't like blow me away as much as it seems to be for other people because it seemed like ground that i've already trod right. and i had I'd read reviews of it that said like you know it, it seemed as though the filmmakers were sort of and maybe that there's an argument that argument to be made that this is a good thing but like that they sort of let the inherent drama of what they were talking about replace actual good filmmaking and just like like oh people be in, this is heartbreaking in and of itself so we don't need to delve too deep into it mm-hmm. you know uh, because basically if we cut the the it's so so full the subject matter that we don't really need to we we can kind of keep our hands off of it mm-hmm. which is maybe a good approach but at the same time you also want a film to be more inquisitive uh, about certain things and mm-hmm. uh, so like i heard that it's it's kind of a kind of a b b plus movie when it should have been yeah more. Uh, i would say that and then uh, the gatekeepers is fascinating because that's about um oh yes that's right and I, I, I saw that the other day um it's about uh 
the heads of uh, and I can't remember, I think it's called Shin Bet, which is um, the sort of Israeli. It's not like it's not Mossad, which is the like their intelligence covert ops, but it's like uh, domestic. It's like almost sort of like secret police or, or like you know FBI the FBI or something. Uh, yeah, that 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 kind of thing. Um, but because um, so much of their turmoil, you know, among with the Palestinians is domestic. That's it's a lot about that, and basically this. The Gatekeepers interviews pretty much every guy who's been the head of Shin Bet since the early 1980s. And, um, God, I hope I'm getting the name right. It's something like that. Anyway, um, it's really fascinating stuff because they're talking very frankly about, um, you know, uh, assassinations on Palestinians and, and using bombs that have um, killed a lot of civilians in addition to the Palestinians that they were uh, targeting. And these people are able to speak just very frankly about it and it's amazing how like you see this pattern of like when they were doing it they believed it was like so important and they were totally uh, you know totally behind what they were doing and then in so many of these cases like once they were retired and stepped away from it uh i think one of them actually says you become a liberal (laughs) like Mm -hmm. once they think back on everything they did it's 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 really fascinating stuff so it sounds to me like if we were to take a day the four of us. And I think we should do this. <laughs> we take a day, we watch all five of these, and then uh, we kill ourselves at the end, right? Like <laughs> yeah, that's that's well, you gotta end with... And then we have another documentary. Yeah, end with, <laughs> end with uh, searching for Sugar Man. Yeah, okay, that, fair enough. That'll make you at least not want to kill yourself. Okay, well, oh, that's a step Maybe in the right scratch direction. your neck. <laughs> <laughs> and then real quick, another one um, that I saw this year, also not very uh, you know pleasant, was the Central Park Five. I don't know if you guys saw that, about... Um, Basically, uh, these five kids, black and uh, Puerto Rican kids, in the in nineteen eighty uh, mid eighty mid eighties, I think, um, were uh, and they're teenagers, and they were all convicted of gang raping this uh, woman, this woman, the Central Park jogger, and uh, they were teenagers at the time. they the documentary goes on to show like how just blatantly coerced their confessions were and stuff, and they spent, uh, I mean, they spent years and years in jail and then it was a, a few years ago they found the actual guy who did it who like had been doing similar committing similar rapes all over the upper east side just on the other side of the park but sort of because of where this happened and how accessible and easy these suspects were to mm-hmm. to corral the they just they it's ruined their lives you know even the ones who only spent seven years or so in prison because they're they were underage like they can't you know their their options are, are limited now seven it's, years in prison is <laughs> but i mean compared to jobs. compared yeah. to the ones who spent 20 years it, it's right. it's less uh what's that one called uh the central park five central park okay cool um okay so, all right well, we, should, we should depressing. move on yeah let's uh go. let's bring it down um and i know that we do de- do need to start uh, wrapping up so yeah. perhaps we can and i've uh, only seen two of the foreign language nominees i'll be seeing no in a week or two and that'll make it three but uh i've only seen a more and a, which is great and a royal affair uh, which is uh I don't know, a hearty effort but didn't pan out i've seen none of them hmm which is unfortunate. Do you guys see Amor? Not yet. No, no. not yet. Looking forward to it, though. I want to. It's see really it. good. Um, so I feel like what we should what we should do is certainly not with every category because uh, some some of these are often like a coin flip uh, for me. But uh, perhaps uh, since we should start wrapping up, maybe do a quick uh, will win should win kind of thing with some I'm major, no good with major categories. Huh? I'm no good at that. I know, but it's fun. So okay. um, I'll, I'll go first. Uh, will win. I don't know. Should win everything. Cloud Atlas. <laughs> that's, that's not true. Cloud Atlas is not my number one. Okay. But there are a number. I, I actually I rewatched Cloud Atlas the other day because I got a screener, 
And um, I, I feel like even... Like, you guys were talking about The Master. Like, even people who didn't like the movie still nominated these performances. Even if you don't like Cloud Atlas, which is something I totally understand. It's a it's a weird movie. It's a bit of a risk. Um, there's so many great performances in it, particularly from um, Jim Broadbent, from Ben oh, yeah. Wishaw, from... Uh, uh, Duna Bai, uh, they're they're all really really strong performances. I tell you what, my best picture will win should win is sort of my overall. Okay. Uh, should win best picture Argo will win Lincoln. I think Lincoln is going to clean up. Uh, that's and I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. I love Lincoln. It's a great uh, Daniel Day Lewis is obviously exceptional, but. And, and I like knowing the minutia of how he got that done. It wasn't just like, okay, slavery's over, guys. Like, mm-hmm. he had to deal and haggle and all these factions. Here's, here's what I think is going to happen. I think it's going to be like an avatar. I think what's going to happen is Lincoln's going to clean up in the other categories, and then Argo's going to upset it for best picture. Now, oh, here's the thing. Be, I, if that happens, I hope so. Yeah, all right. I think that's what's going to happen. I will say and this. I want to see, see Argo win. I want to see Argo win. I will say this about Lincoln. It did have plenty of, like, Spielberg, this is an Oscar moment where Daniel Day-Lewis is giving a speech that this is going to show for the clip when I win the Oscar. (laughs) (laughs) But it helps that that the dialogue is great. I I, I watched that a second time, too. And his performance really undercuts the... Because he could have had, like... He could have adopted this big commanding voice and all of us would have just accepted it because, hey, it's Abraham Lincoln. And but he chose this kind of a... Four and yeah. seven yeah. years just, ago. Was that Bane? <laughs> <laughs> like, um, uh, I'm Slavery's Reckoning. reckoning. <laughs> and also, one of my favorite things... I will break is, you, Robert <laughs> E. <Ely. laughs> <laughs> Stephen Douglas, your reckoning is at hand. <laughs> um, one of my favorite things in a PG-13 movie After is to... I pass this 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 amendment the confederacy you have my permission to die uh, reconstruction maybe, maybe give it about 20 seconds and see what happens no i want to move on okay um one of my favorite things to do in a pg-13 movie is to look for where where the one use of the word fuck is and in lincoln it's so underplayed by Daniel day lewis that you almost don't even hear him say it and it's but it's in the middle of one of his big speech but then he refers he says uh, you know a bunch of petty fucking Tammany Hall hucksters or something like that and it's yeah. so like it anyway you talking about they him underplaying that it way back then where they're like oh this fucking guy and I fucking I think uh, they so epic it was so epic how they fucking beat the Z- Tammany Hall <laughs> uh, yeah they didn't speak that way back then I saw Deadwood I get yeah. it there, um, there's that great joke in 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 Deadwood, where um, uh, E.B. E. Farnham is like, I'm trying to think of a, a Latin phrase, but it's not coming to mind. And um, Francis Wolcott says, is the gist that I'm shit out of luck? And E.B. Farnham says, did they talk that way back then? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I... Uh... Take control, Ulysses S. Grant. <laughs> Take control. <clears throat> I'm and sorry. he would say I, the, he would say the whole Bane name is what you're saying. <laughs> yes. 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 Um, as Bane. Bane yeah. as Lincoln. So, um, yeah, here's the thing about Argo. Uh, up until I the love no- the theater. <laughs> <laughs> well, now he's not even... <laughs> Four score and seven years ago, Batman. <laughs> that's the one. That's the one switch I put in there. <laughs> 
The whole speech is just to one guy. Now. <laughs> one guy. He's just, just talking about these it. are great seats. <laughs> <laughs> What a lovely, lovely voice. Go get us some popcorn, Mary. (laughs) (laughs) See, now, okay. You're not even taking Lincoln actual (laughs) quotes. You're just talking. (laughs) Just Lincoln in conversation (laughs) as Bane? Like, just talking to his wife? Yep. At the theater. Yeah. Okay. Not since uh, not since Daniel Plainview has there been a, a more fun character to uh, put in everyday situations. Oh, Bane doing my, anything. My friend and I had a thing where it was we wanted to do like a little like web series of Daniel Plainview from There Will Be Blood doing things we all do. And one was like he's on his phone and he just goes, oh, "Don't speak Spanish. Better dial one." <laughs> and, then just, and then he wait. Then he waits for a moment. And he just goes, agent. <laughs> and uh, and Bane is like that new, the new yeah, one for that is. now. Um, well, what, what's, how, how would Daniel Plainview do Bane? Oh, good God. <laughs> <laughs> well, wow. I guess he kind of did. I love layers of, he was, he was a in turn the, of the century Bane. In he the was. movie, when, in, in The Reward, when he puts the napkin over his head, he's essentially like proto-Bane. I'm going to point. come late at night, and I'm going to murder you in your sleep. <laughs> and then Gotham shall be mine. <laughs> <laughs> Bastard in a basket, Mr. Waring. <laughs> yeah. All right. Do we I, have was, to, I think we should. What I was we should look forward wrapping up here. <laughs> yeah. What I was going to say is that up until the nominees came out, I had this thing worked out in my mind. I thought either Zero Dark Thirty would have gotten it, would have won Best Picture. Director, actress, and screenplay, mm-hmm. or Argo would have gotten a big push, but then Catherine Bigelow and, and Ben Affleck both got snubbed. And a movie has not won Best Picture without being nominated for a director since Driving Miss Daisy. They like not now like there's 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 plenty of movies that win Best Picture, and it's nominated for a director, but it doesn't win. But like it has been since you know it's been twenty three years now that since that's happened and I think they I don't think they're going to do it this time um, I think Zero Dark Thirty I think her, her lack of nomination shows that they that support for it has dwindled to maybe actress and screenplay mm-hmm. um, whereas uh, and then Argo I, at this point I don't know I think it's I think it's going to be Lincoln all the way all the way around I, I, I may not personally like that which I don't um, I prefer a lot of support for Zero Dark Thirty but and you know what? Like, Life of Pi is only one nomination behind Lincoln. There could be, like, this weird push for that. I'd love to see that. I like Life of Pi better I than Lincoln. I think Life of Pi is going to win director. Mm-hmm. I think you. it could. Yeah. yeah. I think that's... I think it's going to... I think Ang I think. I think Spielberg's going to win think director. Spielberg's gonna oh, yeah, yeah. I, I am. That's what I think. I think Life of Pi. But, but again... Um, and I think, I think Lincoln, like, Tommy Lee Jones is going to win. That's who I think will win, should win. Uh, I would go Philip Seymour Hoffman. Yeah. You know? Um, I I would I would push I would push for uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman. I think he should win, but I actually think, and uh, this is based entirely on my uh, my personal opinions of the Academy. I think Robert De Niro will win because he might. It's he hasn't won since Cape Fear. Uh, he, he hasn't been nominated since Cape Fear. He hasn't won since Raging Bull, and it's the opportunity to reward Robert De Niro again. Which they had to get him a long time. to get him to show up. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Maybe. So, like, I hate to bring that level of cynicism into it, but I think it's I think it's that in some cases. I think that's going to be 
why, um, as we talked about earlier, why Emmanuel Riva is going to win Best Actress. Jessica Chastain, I think, should win. Mm -hmm. Um, And Supporting uh, Actress, I think, is going to go to Sally Field. You think so? Yeah. I'd say the surest thing, and you know what? The minute I say something is a sure thing, that's when, you know, freaking Jackie Weaver wins. But but I think uh, Anne Hathaway is... For Les Is a lock. Just based on how the Academy... Based on, yeah, it's just... Based on patterns. Anybody who talks about that movie talks about her first, then Hugh Jackman. Pretty Actress Looks Ugly is like a sure (laughs) thing for when it went to Sing. Sings beautifully, has Oscar support in general, and not just for her terrible performance as a host. Um, But like... (laughs) And also, like, while she By was... By the way, real quick, Seth MacFarlane is going to be... I think he's going to be hilarious. They're going to turn on him because he's got... He already was doing, like, mean jokes that the Academy can't handle. Hollywood likes the, like... I think it's going to be Letterman all over again. I think again. it's going to be Letterman all over yeah, again yeah. because he... When, I hope when, it's when, when, Yeah, when, me too. When I Hollywood... When they When the hosts make those, like... Um, Inside jokes that oh ho ho we all laugh at cocktail parties yeah and the gentle ribbing the gentle ribbing oh stop it but when 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 a comic goes up there and goes and says tells the truth here's your bullshit here's yeah. your bullshit right in your face they're gonna fucking turn on him do you remember the thing um, when Chris Rock hosted the like uh, sort of pre-recorded PC did where he went to like a movie theater and asked regular people if they'd seen any of the Best Picture nominees yeah. Yeah. and none of them had but they all thought White Chicks was the best movie of the year yeah. <laughs> oh, that was hilarious yeah. and the Academy got bummed at that yeah. Yeah. they're like whoa they, they are and I've said this before they are a wealthy white country club that is completely, uh, for the most part, out of touch, and occasionally brings on like a Negro member to uh, <laughs> fill out the club. You know what right. I mean? You don't have to work in the bag room. You can actually sit with us. You know, and they think they're being cool. You know, uh, but they're going to Seth MacFarlane. They're not going to know how to handle him at all. He's going to say shit that's going to fucking make us laugh. I hope but, so. But in, hope in so. the theater, I tend not to find him that funny. But every once in a while, like he'll. He, in a situation like that, he might desire to be so outrageous that he'll just kind of just throw everything at the wall. You know and what? See what Here's sticks. what I hope. I hope he's thinking in his head, "This is my first and last ever time hosting the Oscars. I'm going to fucking go out." With yeah, a huge I think bang. he's going to come up because you watch him in the acceptance. He's like, "Oh, these are four women who now don't have to sleep with the the Weinstein's or something like that, or, uh-huh. or be nice to the Weinstein's." I was like, "Wow, he fucking comes out at five in the morning, <laughs> swinging at the yeah. Weinstein's." <laughs> All right, dude. <laughs> and he is nominated for an Oscar this year for best song mm-hmm. for right. Ted, really? which oh is very God. strange. They're going to throw right. him into the. Um, uh, South Park guys, they're going to treat him because when the South Park guys got nominated for Blame Canada and they like showed up in dresses and were like the whole Oscars are bullshit uh-huh. and really turned their nose at it. Even though if you really thought they were bullshit, you just wouldn't show up. Yeah, you, you wouldn't, right. show, up. You wouldn't right. show up. You still wanted to win. You go like, George C. Scott. You go George C. Scott. Stay at home and watch a hockey game. Yeah, go fuck yourself. You go Marlon Brando. You know what I mean? Send a Native American woman there or write go fuck yourself on your Oscar like uh, James Conn did. You wouldn't show up in dresses. James Conn? He didn't win. Uh, Godfather two. No, that was that was Robert De Niro. That was Robert De Niro. But he, what did he win for? He won for something and wrote on his Oscar, the Academy can go fuck himself. Fuck himself. Oh my gosh. Somebody's googling. Yeah, and it's yeah, and who is and that's oh and that's the, what I'm in, I'm because Joaquin Phoenix has been very vocal about 
Uh, you could just stop the sentence there. Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Yeah, he's a wing nut. We've already yeah. seen him go shit nuts. But yeah, he's, but yeah he's, Crispin Glover's going, that guy's fucking nuts. <laughs> What's his problem? Yeah. <laughs> but like, uh, but he's been very kind of critical of the Oscars, so I'm interested to see if he'll show up. Um, if he does, people are going to be like, ah, he's a hypocrite. If he... And there's a possibility he could win because they did give George C. Scott the Oscar that year. Mm-hmm. And there is something – and like in a movie that doesn't have the support like The Master and, a, and an actor who's defying you and they still nominate him, he might win. There's a possibility he might win. Well, they'll give him a pass because they'll say, oh, he's crazy. Well, I guess but in that. The, but sometimes, sometimes Hollywood will, em, will em, uh, uh, embrace and excuse the crazy. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? For a oh, certain yeah. amount of oh, time. Oh, he's an artistic n- nutbag, so we'll, yeah. Or maybe they're just like, I bet his speech will be insane. Let's give it to him. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, and so I'm trying to think if there's any other like category that I think is uh, worth noting. Um, not, per- not particularly. We already talked about like a lot of the big ones. And it, I will say um, I'm not a huge fan of Argo. But I think the one thing it wasn't nominated for is the thing it most deserved to be nominated for, which is director. I think the script is only okay. I don't think Alan Arkin should have been nominated. Best picture, sure, why not? But like that is a director's movie, oh, and yeah. he has shown himself to be a great He's a great director. director. Like, Gone Baby Gone, we thought like, oh, that's wow, interesting. Cool. That's worth noting. I didn't like the town that much as a from a story standpoint but the action was done wonderfully I love the town and he's just such a great director of action suspense and he's not going anywhere like he is this is his career now and I'm thrilled and he knows how to direct actors like yeah. he understands in front of and behind the camera he understands the business end of it he understands yeah. Hollywood's politics and he understands how to tell a story mm-hmm. I'm sure all the other actors from Mallrats are thinking man I should have done what he did <laughs> <laughs> I can't find who, uh, what, where James Conn said, go fuck yourself to the Oscars, but uh, we can look it up uh, off mic, and people, yeah. I'm sure anyone who's listening to this knows how to work a computer, so, so they'll figure it out. <laughs> Are you sure, podcast listeners, know how to use computers? So, um, uh, thanks for being here, thanks, guys. guys. Um, you at home, you can find us at battleshippretension.com. You can email us, David at Battleship Pretension, or Tyler at Battleship Pretension, or if you want to send us comic books and shit. Uh, the P.O. box is uh, on, the, on the website there. Um, you can follow me, David, on Twitter at The Pretension. Tyler's on Twitter at More Lessons, which is the official Twitter of his other podcast, More Than One Lesson. That's at morethanonelesson.com. My other podcast is the television review show uh, Previously On. That's at previouslyonshow.com. Where can people find you guys and your work on the internet? Well, it's uh, comedyfilmnerds.com. They can find us, the podcast, and also our store where you can buy the book. Uh, comedy film nerds guide to movies and it's also we guarantee three signatures Graham mm-hmm. myself and one of the writers <laughs> uh, a lot of times people request the third writer we can accommodate that a lot of the time but if it's Greg Proops then it's a little harder because he's <laughs> constantly on the road and often not in the country yeah, yeah. movie reviews everything are at comedyfilmnerds.com there's a tour dates of all of, of us and our personal uh, tour dates like my personal stand up tour dates and everything are at comedyfilmnerds.com and our at comedyfilmnerds is a twitter handle Yep, sounds like a one-stop shop. Boom, comedyfilmers.com. We also have a Facebook fan page. Like it. You can do that for free. Write positive reviews on iTunes and in Amazon. All that stuff helps. Yeah. 
And I'm still going to start that other podcast that's just a podcast where I ask people to write uh, positive reviews on iTunes and then <laughs> read the positive reviews every week. That's that's Sweet. that's the podcast I'm going to do. All right. What's it called? Stroke? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's very Thank circular. You. <laughs> Thank you guys for being here. We'll and get you next time. Bye.